Uh, welcome back. I hope you guys had a good uh, Thanksgiving break. You know, it seemed like everyone was excited to be back, excited to talk to people, to see friends, uh, to get finished, you know, with the fall semester. That's kind of crazy. Some of you are graduating. Some of you will be, you know, finishing your first semester. You know, everyone's, everyone's everywhere. Uh, my name is Justin. Uh, if you haven't met me before, uh, I'm on staff. And uh, a lot of you have heard us talk about uh, the mission trip to the tiny village of Harmons, Jamaica. Um, the staff team, a lot of you guys um, have been on a trip to Jamaica. And, and this trip for me, uh, it was huge. I mean, it was pivotal. It's, it's probably um, one of the beginning things of the reason that I'm here standing in front of you tonight. Um, I went on the trip for my first time when I was a sophomore, uh, my winter break. And while that kind of feels like a long time ago, um, there's definitely people and experiences from the trip that I've forgotten. Um, but there are also things that I haven't forgotten and that I will hopefully never forget. Um, one of those things is uh, the Jamaicans. And one of those Jamaicans was a guy named Stanley. Um, there should be a picture. Uh, so this is Stanley and some of the team that went, uh, I think, three years ago. And Stanley was one of the coolest Jamaicans, arguably the coolest Jamaican that I met on any trip that I've been to Jamaica. Uh, he is one of my favorite guys. He's, he's roughly about my age. I think he's a year older. Um, and, and working with him was fun because he was funny, he was hardworking, but at the same time, he was real. And so anytime I go back to Jamaica, I go on this trip, I go to Harmon's, I, that's the first guy I'm looking for. I'm looking for my man Stanley. You know, he's awesome. I love Stanley. Uh, well, something to know about Stanley, you can't tell from the picture, but Stanley was actually born with cerebral palsy. Um, and so that is a spine defect. And, and because of this, um, Stanley didn't have what you and I, what even people in Jamaica would, would consider, would call a, a normal childhood. He doesn't have a normal life. Um, you know, he lives in the middle of this impoverished village um, in a family that is impoverished. And so they couldn't afford surgery um, it was actually <clears throat> not until he was about eight years old that Stanley was even able to walk. And so he didn't have what any of us would consider a normal childhood. And, and to add to that, to add to the cerebral palsy, uh, because he wasn't normal, he didn't have people coming around giving him a hand. He actually had, you know, kids his age bully him, make fun of him, because, you know, Stanley couldn't run. He, he couldn't play the sports. Um, he couldn't have what, what many, probably most of us had, what we would call a normal childhood. That just wasn't um, his life. And when I worked with Stanley, when, when probably any of you that have worked with Stanley, he, never, he would never ask for a hand up or a hand out. He, when we worked, he worked harder than probably 
any of the Mizzou students down there. Definitely harder than me. He worked harder, he worked longer, and he didn't take breaks as much as I did. I'm down there, I'm dying, I'm ready to get out of there. And Stanley's like, no, let's keep going. He just keeps going. And while we were working um, the first time on my trip, my friend and I uh, were asking Stanley questions. We were kind of going back and forth. And, and he kind of shared, you know, his life story, what his life had been like with us. And he kind of went through this, you know, being born um, with cerebral palsy, being born into this really impoverished village in an impoverished family, you know, growing up on, you know, beans and rice, uh, not fitting in, not being able to be a normal kid, you know, as we would say, uh, bullied, you know, like we said, from, from his defect or from his, you know, um, back. And, and I think that, that the most amazing thing, the thing that you can't forget about Stanley is that he goes through this and he tells you about his life, but at the end, all, all, through all of this, Stanley is still faithful to God. He still, through everything he's been through, he trusts God's plan for his life. And, and because of that, you know, Stanley lives a life that I see and, and I admire. And, and he's faithful and he's content with where he's at. He's content with the cards that he's been given. Um, you know, even when I go down there now and you ask Stanley how he's doing, he always says, I'm good, man. You know, God is good. And every time, you know, God is good. God is good. That's always, you know, his response. And, and that's a great story, right? Stanley's a great story. But what about you and I? What if we were born dealt the same hand that Stanley was dealt, what would our lives be like? Would we be able to stand there like Stanley does and say, you know, I'm content with my life. I'm content with where God has me. Because I think if we're honest with, with ourselves, I think if I'm honest with myself, then the answer to that question is probably no. You know, I don't know that I would be content if, if I was given the life that Stanley has. You know, need hard, like, I am hardly content with, you know, the life that I'm given now. And I have been given so much more from what it looks on the outside than Stanley has. Um, so tonight, we're going to continue our series in Philippians. And as we do, we're going to notice that Paul has a lot to say about contentment. And it's awesome. So, so here's what I want us to do tonight. From our passage, I want us to ask, and I'm going to answer three questions. Just three questions. First, what is contentment? Second, where does it come from? And lastly, how do we get it? So three questions. What is contentment? Where does it come from? And how do we get it? So if you guys brought a Bible with you, um, you can open up. We're going to be in Philippians chapter 4, and we're going to start in verse 10. Philippians 4, 10 through 12 says this. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content in whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. 
whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. So what does Paul say that contentment is? Well, I think the first thing and the most obvious thing to see is what Paul says contentment is not. Contentment, Paul says, is not based on circumstances. In verse 12, he tells us that he is content in any and every situation. And when he says that, he means it. You know, if you don't know the context, uh, the life circumstances from which Paul is coming from, he gives us a glimpse of that in, in 2 Corinthians 11. He tells us he has received the tortures such as 39 lashes on five separate occasions. Three times he was beaten with a rod. Once he was almost stoned to death. He's been shipwrecked at sea. And then he goes on to tell us that he was in danger from the Jews and the Gentiles. He says he was in danger in the city and in the country. So basically, everywhere Paul was, he was in danger. And to add it to it, he was in a prison cell when he was writing the letter that we're talking about tonight. And I don't think, I don't think that we can fully imagine and, and understand what Paul has gone through. And yet, at the end of all this, he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10, he says, For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So if contentment isn't something that's based on our circumstances, what is it? Uh, there's a, a pastor, uh, his name's Ben Stewart. He used to work at Breakaway Ministries in Texas A&M. And, and he says that contentment is this. He says, contentment is an inward, peaceful disposition. Contentment is an inward, peaceful disposition. Uh, so last spring, several of us on our staff, we went to a conference called the Gospel Coalition. Um, and, you know, it's pretty similar to, to a lot of conferences. You know, you've got the large group sessions, you've got worship music, you've got breakout sessions also. And, and before you go on the trip, you get to pick your breakout sessions. Um, well, I'm flipping through this website and I'm looking at all these breakout sessions and there's way, way too many. And, you know, I get kind of bored slash kind of overwhelmed slash kind of I don't even understand these. And so I just kind of read three of them, I pick them, and I say, okay, yeah, those will do. Well, it turns out that I ended up signing up for a session called Chasing Contentment. Um, and if you, if you would have asked me going into it, I would have said, yeah, you know, uh, by my definition, I'm a, I'm a pretty content guy. You know, overall, I'm, I'm a happy dude. I'm, I don't get stressed a lot. You know, I don't get super anxious about a lot of stuff. This, this probably won't be anything new for me, right? You know, obviously, I know everything. And so, you know, Raymond, the speaker, he, he goes into this and he starts talking about contentment um, as something similar to what Ben Stewart said. And, and he said contentment is an inward, gracious, quiet spirit that joyfully rests in God's providence. And, and I'm sitting there. And I'm hearing this, and I'm thinking, well, wait, that's, that's not really my definition of contentment, right? Like, that's not really what I thought it was. And, and you know, he keeps talking, he keeps going on, and I, I begin thinking about, you know, this word disposition, you know, my natural default mode. 
And, and I begin thinking how much my disposition actually is related to my circumstances. You know, I'm most of the time a happy-go-lucky guy. I'm, I'm pretty easy to get along with. I'm pretty, you know, high-spirited. But it actually fluctuates so much with what's going on in my life. You know, am, am I busy? You know, do I have a lot going on or am I pretty free this week? You know, how are things looking financially? Did I just get a paycheck or, you know, is it, is it kind of tight right now? You know, am, are my family situations going well or are things kind of, you know, sticky, kind of not like you want them to be? And, and I realized, you know, listening to this talk that, that all these life situations, they're affecting my disposition. They have so much effect on my default mode. And I, and I want you guys to actu- ask yourselves, what, what about you? What about me? Like, what is, what is your definition of contentment? You know, do, do you consider yourself to be a content person? Is that something you would say, I am content? You know, do you find yourself in the mindset reflecting what is going on in your life at different points of time and realizing that that has an effect on your disposition, on your default mode. You know, we come back this week from break. And, and for some of you, you come off of a break where it's restful, it's relaxing, you know. You got to go home and see family and friends and eat all the turkey you can and, and not really think about school. And so you'd say, yeah, I'm pretty content, you know, I'm pretty happy. And then you come back this week and, and you maybe think about what you have going on in the semester. You find yourself anxious, you find yourself stressed, worrying about this test, worrying about that project that I have, worrying about this paper that is due, you know, all the while not knowing what your GPA is going to end up being. You know, your disposition went from one week, thankful, relaxed, to the next week, worried, anxious, stressed, completely different. It fluctuates just like that. For some of us, that's true, even the matter of the last two days, three days. You know, but for some of us, that's not the case. Maybe you're trying to figure out what you're doing this summer for an internship. Maybe you're getting ready to graduate and you're looking for a job and you're thinking, if I don't get, you know, the right internship, the right job, then I'm, I'm doomed, you know, I'm in trouble. You know, maybe some of you, you're, you're having a great semester, and, and everything's going right. You know, you're having a blast. You couldn't be knocked down. And you'd say, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm content with life. I'm content with how it's going. But what if, what if something changed, you know? What if a significant other broke up with you? You know, what if your friend group started to have tension? Would you still say that? Would you still say, yeah, I'm pretty content? Or would that affect how it is based on what's going on in your life? Let me ask you this. Do you sometimes tell yourself, I do, if this would change, my life would be better. If that would change, my life would be better. You know, or if only I had this, I would be happy. If only I had that. You know, if only I had the A in this class. If only I got to stay at home over break. Or if only I didn't have to go home over break. You know, if only I 
was prettier, if only I was in better shape, if only I had more money. What is it? The point I'm trying to make, though, is that for many of us, for maybe most of us, our default mode, our disposition, it's based on our circumstances. And that is exactly where Paul says that his contentment is not. So, so where does contentment come from then? And, and I want us to look back, you know, at the verses. And so let's see what Paul has to say. If we look in Philippians 4, 12 and 13, Paul says, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And then catch this. He says, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. You know, this is probably a verse that many of us in here, most of us, a lot of us have heard, right? But unfortunately, it's another one of those verses that it's really, really easy to take it out of context. It's really, really easy to not hear what Paul is actually saying. And so I want to read this. I want to think about that and see what Paul's saying. Because what Paul tells us, he tells us that his contentment, it doesn't come from circumstances. It doesn't come from self-sufficiency, but it comes from a total and complete dependency on God. Paul tells us that he's able to be content amidst any and every situation by relying on God, by trusting in God for his strength to handle these circumstances. Uh, when, when I think about people in my life that, that are like this, that rely on God's strength, that are fighting to be content, uh, I think of a friend of mine in college. Uh, this friend was high-spirited, she was positive. She smiled a lot. She was happy. Um, she was a nursing major and really involved in her sorority. And she was a leader um, of high school students for a Christian organization. And, and honestly, she was like a lot of us sitting in here, right? You know, she had a pretty normal lifestyle. Life seemed to be going how we would expect it should in college. Um, one day in February of her junior year, she went skiing with her sister, and um, they started go or sledding, sorry, she was sledding, and they started going down the hill, and, and they didn't realize that there was a thin sheet of ice over the snow. And so her and her sister are going sledding down this hill, and, and all of a sudden, they lose control of the sled, they're going too fast. They can't stop, and they slam into a tree. Her sister calls 911. The hospital comes. They, they take her to the, or the ambulance comes, and they take her to the hospital, and they find out that along with a lot of other injuries, she has a cracked spine, and she's paralyzed from the waist down. In that moment, life as she knew it was completely and drastically changed. You know, daily tasks such as getting out of bed, showering, getting ready, putting on your shoes. You know, things that we think of as daily routine suddenly become difficult. And they suddenly require assistance to get them done. You know, and I, I got to talk to her and I asked her, you know, I asked her, how have you been able to trust God amidst these circumstances 
amidst these drastic changes. And, and this is what she told me. She said, I've been able to trust God because I know that this was not a mistake. I know that he has a much bigger plan for my life than I will ever realize. I know that he sees the big picture while I only see a small sliver of what's going on. Knowing that he is in control gives me peace of mind. <laughs> That's a great example of someone fighting to be content, having peace of mind amidst unbelievably difficult circumstances for you and I. And it's because she was trusting God's plan for her life. Now, I, I pray, I hope that, that an accident like that would never happen to anyone in this room. I pray that it would never happen to any of us. But I think it's a great reminder for us to ask ourselves, how am I or what does it look like for me to trust in God as my source of strength in different circumstances in my life, especially when they aren't what I want them to be? What does it look like to rely on God when we get the bad news about a family member? How about trusting God and relying on him for strength to endure when we have classes and work and involvement in everything that we have going on, building up? What does it look like to trust God for our strength when we have to have hard conversations with roommates or with friends? What does it look like to rely on God for our strength to love others even when they're not loving us back or maybe they disagree with us? How do we love them? How do we trust God in those moments, in those situations? And, and for some of us, it means trusting God when we're in the highs, you know? Trusting God for our strength when things are going really, really well. Fighting not to believe the lies that our culture tells us, you know? We got ourselves where we are now. Our culture loves to tell us that we got ourselves where we are. We can be self-sufficient. Our culture tells us that when things are going well, that we don't need God, that we can do this on our own, you know. But when things are going well, we still need to ask God for the strength, the strength to remain faithful in those times, just as well when they're going bad. You know, whether it's in highs or lows, I, I know, I know personally that it's hard, it's super hard to fight, to be content amidst the flux, the ups and downs of life's circumstances. And, and while those circumstances are ever changing, the reality is, is that Paul is talking to all of us in here that would, who would call ourselves Christians and by example showing us that we need to rely on God as our strength to persevere in the midst of of our circumstances. So we've seen what contentment is. We've seen from Paul where it comes from. Now the question becomes for you and I, how do we get it? Well, if, if we'll look back at the verses that we already read, Paul tells us that contentment, to be content, is learned. Look back at verses 11 and 12. Paul says, I'm not saying this because I am need, in need. For I have learned to be content in whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, 
whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. So we see from Paul, he gets contentment. He gets it because he learns it. Twice he tells us he has learned to be content in any and every situation. And this means that it's going to take time, right? Being content is a process. A true, inward, peaceful disposition. It's not going to happen instantly. It's not going to happen like that. I can't stand up here and say, well, you just need to be content, right? You need to be content because that's, that's not what Paul says. That's not how contentment works. You can't just say, I'm going to be content and be content. Um, because the reality is, and, and I think what Paul's telling us is that we have to fight for it. So, so what does that look like in our lives? How do we be content? And, and I think that the answer is, is that we learn to be content by loving God above all else. You know, when talking about contentment, Tim Keller, he put it this way in his book, Making Sense of God. He said, the problem is not that you love your family or your job too much, but that you love God too little in relationship to them. We can learn contentment. We, you and I, can learn contentment by fighting every day to love God more. By fighting every day to love God more than we love our GPA. To love God more than we love being involved in these organizations and and putting together this perfect resume. We can fight to love God more than we love what our friends think about us or, or having this perfect image. Because what Paul is telling us is that it's in those ups and downs, the times of abundance and the times of need, that he learned how to be content. And, and one of those ways, you know, for me personally, that I have been fighting to love God more and more is, is by taking the advice that I was given and, and I picked a psalm, you know, and I picked a psalm and I decided I'm going to read through this psalm. I'm going to pray through this psalm regularly. And, and so for me, that psalm was Psalm 23. I'm, I'm sure a lot of you have heard it. It starts out, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. You know, and it makes me think, okay, God has given me everything that I have. He's given me everything that I could ever need. And he's going to continue to provide for me. He will continue to provide for me in any and every circumstance because the circumstances in my life, the circumstances in your life, they don't surprise God. And, and because of that, I can be at peace. I am learning to be at peace. I am learning to be content, to trust in the Lord as my shepherd. And, and even while I'm saying this, it's hard. I know that it's hard because because. Because the fact that contentment is learned, it means that we're not always going to get it right. It means that there's going to be good circumstances or bad circumstances, and we're going to mess up. We're going to fail. You know, going back to the story about my friend that was in the sledding accident, I, I asked her, what was the most difficult part of learning to be content and learning to trust God's plan for her life since the accident. And, and she told me this. She said, the most difficult part of being content and trusting God's plan is when I can't do something that I used to be able to do. She said, it's easy for me to get angry with God 
when I feel like I'm missing out on something because of my wheelchair. I feel like he's punishing me, like he doesn't really care about me, or maybe he's just forgot about me. And I think we can empathize with that, right? There's been times, there's been a point when we've been angry with God. We've been confused with God. We've asked God why. But I love, I love what she has to say next. She says, but I've learned that God is always there, even when it feels like he isn't. When I miss out on something, God has provided another opportunity that I wouldn't gotten if I hadn't missed out. It's so cool to look back on situations and see how he was working through them the whole time, even when I felt alone. With each trial that we face, we're growing closer and closer to God and learning to rely more on him and less on the things of this world. So as the music team comes back up, I just, I want to leave you guys with this. We must, we must fight to be content. To trust in God's plan is important in our day-to-day lives because fighting to be content is fighting to love God more than what is going on in your life, in my life. It's surrendering everything that we have to God and trusting that he will provide for us in our times for plenty and our times of need. Because God, our God, is a faithful God. He's a God that will fulfill his promises. And knowing that, believing that, you and I, we, like Paul, we can learn to be content in any and every situation. Let's pray. Jesus, we, we come here tonight and we confess that we are all sinners. Jesus, we confess that far too often we look for our contentment. We look for peace in our circumstances. And God, I pray that tonight, tomorrow, this week, that you would help us to fight that. Jesus, help us to look to you as our source of strength. Help us to trust and the promise you have given for our lives, knowing, God, that you are in control. You are a faithful God, and we can learn contentment through trusting in you. Jesus, it's in your name we pray. Amen. I love